I wish that hotels would advertise if they have bidets or not. When I was in uh, high school and went to Japan, um, we stayed in this hotel that I think was just like a regular hotel and wasn't a fancy hotel, but like they were just the most amazing toilets. You sat down and it would like sense it and then you could like do different settings on the toilet and then you press a button and this like little robot like comes out and like scans your butthole and finds just the right. It was like I'm sitting on the toilet. There's Jude Law. Who like his head comes out? He takes a sip of San Pellegrino and just shoots. It was amazing. Never had a cleaner did, butt in my life. Did you have the blow dryer too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but that was actually Rob Schneider. And welcome to the 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I am joined by my comrades, Mark Fangmeyer, Rodrigo Sanchez Chevaria, and live from hmm, studios in New York, it's Corey Schreppel. Hey, man. How's, hey. how's your uh, how's your work trip going? Uh, it's good. I've had, I had a slice of, two slices of pizza for dinner. And, uh, you know, I'm just hanging out. Uh, you you meeting up with the, you hanging out with the Cooligans a lot? Yeah, yeah, we're actually we're we're doing a news podcast. <laughs> can, can you imagine? Can, can you imagine uh, um, uh, Michael Barbaro trying trying to trying to interview Alexis? I bet that that would be hilarious. I would. I would absolutely one of the most entertaining. Things. I'd pay fifty bucks to see that at the palace. You make oh, that yeah, happen yeah. If, if we can if next time that we do like a daily live, like a yeah. daily tour. We get the cooligans. Yeah. Let's start this off by doing a little bit of the good, the bad, the weird. The good this week was, this was heartwarming, uh, Lifetime Channel um, um, MLS mashup. Sasha Kleschen, uh 10 years ago when he was with Shivas USA, right? Or um, visited a, a, a kid who was a 10-year-old uh, battling cancer named Chris Haggard. Then... Ten years later, move you know, fast forward in the time machine, that kid is now playing for Charlotte FC. So Sasha Kleshin is in town in Charlotte to play with the Galaxy. And Heggard's parents find him in the hotel lobby and are like, Hey, do you remember this? They show the picture. And anyway, in the game then after the game they swap jerseys. This is uh this is peak uh heartwarming moment. So the bad. Let's go to the weird before we do the bad. Actually, I don't yes. want to go from the good to the bad. Yeah, let's go. It's really bad. Let's go to the weird. Uh, the Athletic did this uh, survey. This is Paul Tenorio and Sam Stachel did a survey of the directors of soccer of all the MLS teams. There was one who I think didn't decide to participate, and I'm actually really curious who that is. But um, lots of great stuff in there. Uh, probably the most interesting part was about how many teams cheat or how many people perceive those other teams to cheat they did if you don't have an athletic uh subscription you should but the allocation disorder that podcast that they do did a great rundown of it they hinted at clubs like nycfc are like definitely everyone suspects them of cheating or knows that they cheat etc um the 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 local angle here minnesota only came up a, a couple times not really not really much to say there, but one thing that just this is why it's in the weird is there was a question of what's one player you would build your team around. And someone out there said Hassani Dotson. And I want Mark Watson and Adrian Heath to be on the phone with that director of soccer right now selling Hassani Dotson. I, like, if someone believes in him that much, then yeah, needs to, you, you need to find them. If you love him, let him go. I mean, set him free. Yeah, let him be the leader that he's destined to be on that one team. So anyway, um, and also was, that, and also it's funny too that like, like nowhere did like our top technical director, you know, our uh, get any marks, but all of our the people below him, uh, Mark Watson and Amos Miggy, sure did. So yeah, each got that. Uh, they each got a vote for the best number two, and Mark Watson is clearly the number 
too, even though he's kind of the number one. It's a very, we've talked about how weird their situation is here. But Amos McGee is the, I don't know his title. I think it's the head scout, head of personnel. Um, but not not considered, I think, the number two. But I don't know anymore. They're, everything's so convoluted. The bad. Can we do the bad? This yeah. is uh, 26 fans, including, I think, five critical conditions. This is the, the latest reporting. Um, were injured in a brawl that halted the Karatero versus Atlas match. Um, reports were that originally that there were dead, that there were lots of deaths or several deaths or many deaths. Um, none that were confirmed by these reports. And so it, it's kind of conflicting right now. The, the, the government is at least saying that there's no deaths. So it's hard to say, but th- this is, I don't know. It's what can we add there? But Rodrigo, you've got thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, like the game stopped around the 60 second minute when, like, there were fa- when there were fights breaking out in the stands, and that eventually spilled onto the field. And from then, it just all, all just all went to to hell in a handbasket real quick, and um, players and teams were removed. But then um, the violence just escalated. I think it's just uh, um, the lack of. Uh, Security, in a sense. Well, the security seemed the to actually like just open open up doors and allow it. So well, look, 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 let's look at it this way: you, you are you are a security person. You're hired. You paid minimum wage, in a sense. They give you they give you what like a pepper spray. Yeah. And then you got like 40, 60 people who t- just tore off the seats over there, and they want to get into the door. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Fair enough. That is a, that's. <laughs> Yeah, you, no, you're I, gonna I, try to fend off all those people. I, I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't blame the security in that aspect. They were not prepared, in the sense, because, because you, how can you prepare for something like that? But the, the, the conversation revolves around like, yes, this is on the fans for once, right? For creating all the violence. Two, this is on the team, uh, on the two teams because they're, they're, those, those are their, their fan base. Three, this is also on the league, because the league approved the type of security that they had. Yeah. Now you ask me if this happened at Stadio Azteca, that we wouldn't have like police type security on there for any game. Of course you would have, because this wouldn't happen in Azteca. But because this is not the Azteca, it is it is it is deemed okay to be having the type of security that they that they had that was inadequate, right? And I think at the same time, like there wasn't uh, the this reflects bad on the league, a league that is trying to get a bid for a World Cup, which this actual stadium actually hosted a World Cup game. Yeah. I think it's uh, we've seen all the violence as of recently that's been happening in Brazil with fan violence. Yeah. Um, we always hear about what's going on in, in, in Argentina and other places. Um, but there was like a mass scale like, you know, fight and 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 the images are horrible and horrifying. You know, there's they, they were tearing off kits of young people. You know, there's people who who were unconscious and still getting beat. I mean, you know, it's it's the the the, the horrible part of, of, of this fandom that we get into. And, and I can share stories, and I think many of other folks from other countries can share stories of where, like, my dad never told me to sit either in the north side or the south side of the section because that's where they, the supporter groups were there. And if ever, that's where all the violence would come from. And I think that's one of the things that, that, that needs to be addressed as also is this like mentality that you have to be strong, that you have to be, uh, you have to, as, as the Uruguayans say, tener garra, but at the same time, you have to, you have to be violent, right? Because this, this is, you, it's all or nothing. And I think that's one of the things that also needs to be that. And this is also on the heels of a Mexican team who is also, you know, being sanctioned for a homophobic chant and discussions of having uh, a way to register fans who buy tickets for games. And now the discussion is this is going to probably add on to the discussion of including this into, into the regular league aspect of it. And it's just, it's just, it's just horrifying to be able to see this and witness this. But at the same time, it's enraging the fact that even though uh, it's in the best interest for the league to say that there are no deaths at this moment, that you just can't, you just can't fathom to under to to believe them in a sense of this level yeah. of corruption and 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 the way that they treated everyone else in this matter. So, do I think do I think there's 26 people in the hospital? I'm pretty sure there's more than that. 
Do yeah. I think some of those will eventually, if they haven't, if they haven't gone on to the next life goal, probably. But if that happens, and the league and the teams are responsible for it, and then it's just, it wouldn't put Mexico in a, in a in a good light for doing anything with soccer, especially the way that their level of soccer is just somewhat not going through a good phase internationally. Yeah, there's a lot to clean up there and, and figure out. Um, it sucks. It's a, it's a pretty disgusting thing to watch. I, wa- I only accidentally watched a couple of the videos because I, I don't partake in those things. Um, I'm going to move on to uh, just the, the brief Aurora section, which is that um, I'm minty fresh off my trip to L.A. Um, I don't get business trips very often. And so it's kind of fun to do business. I don't get to do that. So um, I went with uh, Ali Ranke, who's the Aurora designer, one of the co-founders. And uh, we were in the factory all day, picking out matching Pantones and figuring out our first kits. There's a home, away, and goalkeeper kit, which we weren't originally planning on uh, retailing a goalkeeper kit and then Sarah Fuller happened. We were like, Oh shit, we need to, uh, we need to make a plan there. And, uh, and it's great. Cause I also got to see um, Cassidy who are, uh, is our kit designer from used to be at forward Madison. And now uh, at least is doing freelance stuff for us. So this is uh, yeah, I'm very excited about the kits. I got to, also got to have fish tacos at every meal, including, um, this this fish called a snook, which is like it, it, I mean it was like a big full plate. I'm holding up my hands, but it's like my my the length the width of my shoulders, um, and uh, it, it was amazing. So and then uh, the team are officially our season tickets went on sale last week. Thankfully, I was out of town on business trip, so I wasn't <laughs> the one uh, manning the manning the problems because yeah. apparently there were some problems that were not our fault and that were the problem of the ticket holding. Did, so did, did anyone rage quit from uh, having to deal with LA? No, we also, uh, we all survived, but, um, but we have about 3000 season ticket holders, which is pretty amazing. More than some NWSL teams. And, uh, it's, it's pretty wild. So do go check those out. We'll have, uh, individual tickets on sale eventually, but you can always, uh, I mean, Season tickets. If are there are any, cheap. who knows? I bet yeah. you might just sell out the season tickets and not have any individual tickets. So you should probably just buy season tickets just to be sure. Exactly. Buy some and then, uh, you you know, you can always um, donate some eventually. We'll be working on that option uh, if you can't make all the games because, you know, whatever. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back and it's going to be Minnesota United time. What, I don't know how to explain that phrase. Corey? Just hit record. <laughs> Just shut up, Wes. Back on the 55-1 podcast. All right, here we go. We've got Minnesota United. They played against Nashville SCFC, anyway. Um, Nashville had three Minnesotans in their squad Luke Hackinson, Teal Bunbury, and our favorite, Eric Miller. Minnesota had yeah. one Minnesotan in its squad, which I just thought that was a great. I think that's uh, probably the, the first time we've had more Minnesotans in the opposition than, uh, than we have for us. Um, f- to talk about this lineup, Will Trapp came into the lineup to replace Kervin Ariaga or Ant Man. Since he injured his thorax, which I did not know that human beings had thoraxes. Um, is he one of those big alien bugs from uh, Men in Black? Oh, maybe he is. You I mean, know, that, yeah, like, he only he only drinks sugar water. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Who like can't, found this, forced himself into the body. Of, can't wait until uh, he gets into an Edgar Vincent suit. Vincent That's what it is. Right? <laughs> he's in the Edgar suit. Edgar suit. Um, all right. Yeah. The weather that uh, night was not very good. Um, I'm, I kind of wish it would have just been that snow because that, that would have been just an absolute shit show of a game. It never would have gone on if that was the case. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about a few things. Um, but first, got to let my cat out. So one of you... Talk about what you're interested. The cat's like at the office door and like you can see it. I mean, I think the, 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 the thing that all of us 
kind of agreed on was, you know, our two starting fullbacks were not uh, in the starting lineup. Uh, Chase Gasper and Roman met in there for a second week in a row. So we had uh, Fisher on the right and uh, Debussy on the left. Um, and I think it, it, it kind of showed how reliant we are on our fullbacks to create that kind of link up play with our midfield and overlapping runs with our wingers. Um, and when you have more defense, I don't know if you want to see, even say if they were more defensive minded, I would just say that they were more um, conservative from an attacking perspective. I don't think they're any, any more stout defensively, but they were just more conservative from an attacking perspective. Um, there's just a lot of gaps. There's just a lot of gaps from the back line um, up through Reynoso. Reynoso was playing a lot higher, um, usually expecting some sort of overlapping runs with the fullbacks and the wingers and being able to um, allow like Fragapane to cut inside and Lud to cut inside and have somebody to partner with. Those two were kind of on an island as the wings um, because they didn't have the fullbacks bombing forward. One thing I noticed was that uh, usually, like our average game, the amount of lateral passes that we make in a game is about 151, and we had 222, which is not a per, like astounding stat, but it was it was one of the the main outliers of how this game was different than usual. And I think that we definitely don't have we have we have a system that that we use right this is the the ball goes to the the kind of pivoting um anchor midfielder like ozzy and then they spray it out to the wing that goes uh to you know that gets cut back etc there's, there's a, a a flow to how we play and without metnir in particular but then without gasper as well you just don't you don't have these guys who move forward as much you could t tell a difference. We eventually did get DJ Taylor on the right. And I thought DJ Taylor was pretty decent. Um, you know, overall, uh, I thought it was an, an improvement. Whether it was that or the rain delay, you know, was mainly what what we saw. Um, it, it's hard to say. Well, the I mean, the other thing, and Rodrigo, you pointed this out, is that, you know, typically, you know, we have like, a, you know, a six and an eight kind of as our double pivot. Sometimes it's deployed as a double eight, sometimes it's double six. This was clear like Dotson and Trap were both play, kind of playing as, as as sixes in that first half, right? Yeah, I mean I think one of the things too, not only with that, because uh Dotson was playing deeper in front of the in front of our defensive four, is that um this first two games have have, have proven how how important at least it is for our fullbacks to get involved on the wings, specifically on the left. I think um, on, on with the connection between Fragapane and whoever's playing that position is crucial. And the lack of communication between the bossy and Fragapane and the lack of trying to move the ball forward for, for the bossy beating a position that he's not usually used to playing really caused a friction in in the flow of offense coming from there. And I think that's the thing. If 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 we can't get the ball to Fragapani on the left, we become more more one dimensional in what we can do with regards to our offense. And 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 the Bossy took some time and, and and there was a times where like he was frustrated as he did not know what how to play with Fragapani. I think there was one point at least where I remember where like Fragapani would pass him the ball and then he passed it back to him. And then like they were running literally at the same length. And then w the only thing that developed from that is that, you know, the bossy was able to kind of like basketball screen a player to Fragapane to Plus But that was just luck. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that 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 was was kind of frustrating was that we know that the bossy can put a long ball and put a, a good ball in. We've seen that happen in previous in previous in previous games. But when there isn't that, that that connection between whoever's playing on that left side, it just makes it even harder for the middle um, to, to 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 be in some sort of position to to be part of that offense. And let's give it just give it to Nashville. Nashville did what they were supposed to do. They they kind of plugged up that middle, right? Uh, they frustrate Reynoso with having people really close to him and around. I mean, Godoy and Leal 
are dirty players, and I'll say that here, and I'll take that to my grave, and I just don't appreciate some of the stuff that they do. But overall, yeah, they, they they double teamed them. They have one of the best low blocks in the league. Yeah, I think my big takeaway too about our defense is like, especially after this first two matches, is I've actually pretty heartened about it. like we again we rely a lot on our fullbacks, but once uh, DJ Taylor came in. And then we put O'Neal on the other side. Like both, if you look at like their like you know the, the chalkboard stuff on them, they're passing and they got a lot deeper and they got some better passes. And once those two were on the field together, and then you allow Debassi to get back into where he's most comfortable, which is the center back. And I'm actually pretty excited and happy about the depth that we have at fullback because that felt like where we were most lacking last year, which is why Dotson always had to fill in. And this year we found guys who can fill in and like it may, they weren't pretty matches the last two matches, but we got draws against two of the best teams in the league. And I think that is something to hang your hat on when you have, when you're missing your two starting fullbacks, I was pretty excited about it. Uh, okay. I, I think that's fair enough. I will say missing your missing Chase Gasper. Like if you're if you're a team and you're like, oh, we don't have Chase Gasper, making you're always gonna lose players. Seattle wins even without Rui Diaz, right? Like so I, I hear what you are saying. Metanier is an important part of it, but you have to be deeper than Chase Gasper. No offense, Chase. Nobody but. gets deeper than Chase Gasper. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> All right. Um, but <laughs> now you set me up. All right. Let's talk about that goal. So there's a long pass from Dax McCarty to the back post. The ball gets sent in across the goal. Bob's your uncle. It, it's in the back of the net. This, this starts early because from the beginning of the game and for the first 20, 25 minutes, it was all Nashville. Minnesota could not get any breath, could not get anything going. Um, Ray just kind of sat there and forced Trap to cover two attackers. So Dax had all the time in the world to send his cross. Then Dotson was the next responsible where he's at the top of the box. Godoy completely runs by him and he doesn't move. And he just like points at him like, okay, thank you for pointing. I appreciate that. Because then behind him is um, Fisher, who's got now two men to mark, and Boxall, who has a man to mark but also didn't. And then basically, so now Godoy runs in, ball goes to the back of the net, and then Boxall completely transcends the astral plane. Motherfucker leaves his body. And then his spirit visits another world of light. It's warm. It's beautiful. There's no rain. It's There's no goals that he is letting happen. And then suddenly something breaks in his body. He, he's back in his body in corporeal form. He's cold. He's wet. And he's giving up goals. And it, like, cause he just disappeared. Um, and you could see like his spirit. You could see the, the 21 grams, right? leave and then enter his body. So Dotson and Boxall just earn extreme turd emojis from me on that. It's it's another it's another avoidable set piece goal due to shitty man marking. And it's the same thing that happened against Philly. Well not the, the exact same scenario, but you know what I mean? Like it's just bad communication in the box. Boxall gets left uh hung out to dry or it's just flat out his fault. Um yeah, it's an avoidable, it's an avoidable goal due to lack of communication and um, training in the box. I don't care if the, if we have two backup fullbacks and there are not, you got to defend those. And I it was mean, also almost the exact replica of the goal that they scored against Seattle the week prior that we should have been studying. Yeah, I was going to say that too. It's just like I, I think overall, it's, it's the it's the lack of the midfield pressure that we had. I mean. And and that was one of the things. The only person that was trying to make put pressure was Amarija, and he was our forward, so he was coming back trying to put pressure on the ball, which gives which Dex McCarty all the time in the world to be able to put a beautiful ball that uh, Mukhtar just one touches it across the across the goal, which you can make the argument if 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 uh, Miller could have could have put a hand on it, maybe maybe not, but I think he was just trying to cover the angle of the ball and the post which he's supposed to do. And then you trust your center backs to be able to track. And both of them just ate it. 
both center backs ate that because the pong just literally just walked through like like you don't you know just just literally like a ghost just like ghosted through uh, both of them and then by the time they realized it was it was too late and 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 it's just one of those things where like you you think about it like this is something that needs to be talked about more and addressed because after the goal you you saw Miller look at the replay on the screen at least I saw him and he's like so what happened I was like oh and he goes oh yeah okay yeah so they weren't supposed they were they weren't supposed to do that and like and and that just you know just goes on, add on to injury the lack of you know like communication that goes on in that backline specifically when you move our center back so quickly with with a penetrating pass into the in, into the box. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a trait that our back line has missed since Ike left the team. You know. Um, yeah, Boxel was Boxel was elite when he had Ike next to him. But I think Boxel was still really good last year. I I I understand that criticism there. You know, we're missing Ozzy as well, right? You don't have as many steely people in there. You don't have as many shivs, right? And maybe Ozzy left a few shivs in the locker room for people to use, but like you can like you can teach uh you can lead a horse to shiv or something like that. You can teach a man to to shiv a horse, something like that. I can't I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. <laughs> what are you doing with horses? Yeah, Seriously. you're shiving them. You <laughs> who hasn't who hasn't prison shift shift a horse on a summer break? Um, <laughs> so well, like it's a hell of a like, drug, guys. It's still like tipping That's a Kentucky cow. Derby. Yeah, it's like a tipping cow thing, right? <laughs> you guys didn't grow up in Pennsylvania like me. Corey and I did. We we shift a lot of horses. We've been shiving horses since our <laughs> since like middle school. That's an Amish thing. All right, um, we did in the first half. I I thought um, to be honest. Um, my impression of this game was so much formed by that first half because by the time I got back, I, I left the game uh, at the the rain lightning break uh, to get back to the bar, and then I watched it there on the TV. But I, I don't think I was paying as much attention. So I came out of this game thinking we were garbage and that we were extremely lucky. I think we were instead not very good and we were lucky. Um, but we did have a couple of chances. You know, our best chance came in the in that first half. In the 42nd minute, O'Neill Fisher sends a long ball up to Coleman, who's still high in the attack. And he, he like, did this amazing side-of-the-foot backflip. It's uh, like a backheel. It's a backheel But it wasn't a backheel because it, like, flipped. It was, it, it was the outside of his backheel. That's what he, yeah. what he was. He just tapped it over yeah. To okay. to Amarilla and Amarilla and Amarilla like landed right on his area and he he turned he turned um what's his name uh Thor looking fellow Zimmerman Walker, Walker Zimmerman oh yeah he Thor. he turned him and like he literally just wanted you know all he needed to do was tap it with his it, but he just you know and and I'm okay with what he what what Amarilla's been doing as a as of lately I think he's trying to find his 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 mark on the team and trying to make those type of connections. But I mean, I think from the thirty, probably the thirty-six minute on, is is when Minnesota started to be more offensive in that minded. Because right at the end of, um, like at the half, you have the the blast from the bossy that hits the post, yeah, yeah. and then and then and then and then it's halftime. Well, then you also had Nashville hit the post like a minute prior to that too. Na- Nashville had. Nashville could have had three goals in that first half. They were pretty unlucky because they also just missed wide. You know, we hit the post. So maybe it should have been three to one in that first half. But it was, uh, I did not think we were very good. I'm now talked to enough people who thought a bit nicer about it. And so maybe you guys are, are more positive about this game. But am I, am I unfair in saying that we were lucky to get this draw? Or do you think that we were better than that? We... I we turned it around in the second half pretty well. I mean, like, like, uh, like for example, Will Trap was pretty bad in the first half. Like, he's normally one of our best passers, like upper eighty percent of passing. And I think in the first half he had like his passing percentage was like in the low seventies, and he ended up being up in the eighties uh, overall for the match. So like, it just shows mm-hmm. you how he kind of turned it on and improved in the second half. Like, eventually, like him and Dotson figured out what to do in the midfield in the second half, and they kind of brought it together. And like, there's a little bit. It just seemed to work better. Like our fullbacks 
where we got into our game, like how we typically play. Like our fullbacks were more involved with the offense. That allowed things to open up in the middle a bit. Our midfielders got more involved. Dotson kind of got forward, but not as much as he normally does. But he was still like towards the end of the match. He was actually getting rather forward. Like the um the um try towards the end, which I forget who had that, but like Dotson was one of the ones that got worked it out from the left sideline and put it in and on the centering pass. So like yeah. it looked better in the second half. I mean, definitely. A part of that, part of that is you moved Fisher over to the left. You brought in DJ Taylor on the right. Coleman was subbed out. Debassi was put in as left center back. Um, and then the big change. Bongi, 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 yeah. bongi, so, bongi. So, so I like, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think the, the biggest change was like Hassani was clearly sitting a little bit deeper. Um, there was almost points where it looked, looked like a 3-5-2 or something like that. Um where Dotson was sitting kind of in that Aussie role where he's like almost in line with the two center backs. Um, but the big thing that I noticed and that why things kind of opened up a little bit um, was like Reynoso was coming deeper to collect the ball and start to partner with trap a little bit more. Um, I think part of that is because you had um, Fisher on the left, who's getting forward and combining with Bongi. Um, and things like that. But when Reynoso comes back to collect and can dictate play from a little further back, um, it opens up the field because, you know, players, they teams will either want to double team them, but they're not going to double team them that far back, that far deep into the, in the, um, their own half. As long as that do- then doesn't mean that we have a striker who's on an island. But um, so let me ask you this. We always criticize Adrian Heath for not making changes. At the half, we saw two changes, right? We mentioned that we saw DJ Taylor come in, and then we saw uh, Bongokuli Plongwane, sorry, we're still finishing it, um, come in. And we're talking about these, these tactical changes as well. So do we see Heath finally um, make a real in-game tactical shift that, that worked? Yes, to a point. Oh, I, like yeah. Not because, willing to give him full credit well, here. Yeah. No, I would. But but here's the thing. Like, I mean, Frank Apani came out injured. He didn't have a choice. He just had, he had to find someone oh, Frank to play. Frank Apani was injured? Yeah, he pulled his hamstring. Like, he's... Yeah. Uh, he, oh, I yeah, thought he, he was just injured. shitty. Oh, okay. No, right. he, he came out no, injured. He got uh, injured. Okay. Yeah, he was terrible in the first half, too. So maybe he was, yeah, maybe he was terrible him. because of that. He was so, bad. Yeah, so, the, so there was uh, a... I was a cold in that year. I mean, when he obviously, like, when he did the shift, like, I think he saw what everybody saw, like, how, like, our fullbacks weren't contributing anything and how we rely on that. And he made a switch that hopefully would allow our fullbacks to start contributing more. And they did. So, like, kudos to him for doing that. Like, I thought that was, like, the kind of major shift that kind of, like, was the gateway to get everything else in the offense going a little bit and be able to get us out and get some pressure on Nashville. Right. I mean, I, I, for me, like Debassi was having a horrible game as well too, as a, as a left back, and I thought that the switch to center back was 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 a good move. But I, I think I think we also have to talk about how Fisher has become that like Swiss Army knife, and, and at least in those in, those, in these two games for those positions, he's he does he he's not the fastest, but he does what he needs to be do needs to do in order to be. Um, serviceable in that matter, right? And I think that's that's one thing that I that I walked away, and we're going to have to check to see where a tally of of of, uh, of bets were on how many games he was going to go over or under as a starter, you know that. But I think we we might lose out on that, and I'm okay with that unless it's. it's but the substitutions were, were were like for like in a sense, and I think that's one of the things we talked about depth, in in not only this season and previous season. But this is the first time we actually have like like for like substitution, like talent wise, right? So that makes it a lot easier if you're a coach to say like, well, yeah, you know, if if I have you know uh, if I have to take out Fragapane, you know, I you know who do I have more faith in? You have someone who 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 is who's got some of the skills that Fragapane does. Bongi likes to be direct and, and dribble at people and take the ball forward as fast as, as, as sometimes as he can, and you need that on that. He left had side. he had one amazing drive up the middle of the pitch that almost like resulted in a goal. I can't remember if he got a shot off or like he, he laid the ball off someone, but he was, he he was just, he was cutting up bodies the Uh, whole way up the field. And okay. I I guess I'll I'll take that, but we also did not have a left back then. I mean, O'Neill Fisher is not a left back. 
He's a right right footed player, and Demasi's right. not a left back. So we we are getting better on the the depth. So I I, yeah. I, I no, I'll I'm, take your point there. My takeaway on that is like I hope that this might be the a small amount of like Adrian Heath saying, "Hey, we have fullback depth. I should play my fullback depth at fullback instead of switching my center back." My starting center back to fullback to cover and then doing that and like actually having like you know confidence in our depth where we can actually have players that actually play those positions. Yeah. So let's talk about our goal. Um, this comes kind of in the sixty something minute. Sorry, I, I forgot to write that in the notes. Um, it came from a free kick that goes. You know, it, this was obviously very planned. It goes to Amaria, who's at the not the top <laughs> of the box, but the top corner of the box. Takes a shot. It goes off Dotson. You know, he's kind of unaware, hits the post. Dotson then, uh, you know, smartly responds really quickly and gets his own rebound, puts it away. And there there you go. That's that pretty much killed off the game then. There there were some attempts uh, to, to make other things happen, but Nashville, after the weather break in general, were cold and tired and Minnesota were able to to take advantage of that and we got the draw with this any any notes about that goal or I mean the interesting thing too is like in the um post match press conference like Adrian he or some some of the players I forget who it was in, in post match but basically said that like none of them like Ray and Amaria had some thing set up and planned but none of the other players were in on it like they didn't know that was what Ray was going to do is like send it to the box. They were all expecting to come in and actually just drop in for your typical kind of like free kick type thing. And like, I think it was DJ Taylor who said like, yeah, like I was just watching it from the back. I was like, Oh, look at that. Like, so like the rest of the team didn't even know it was, going to, it was coming out to Amaria. I mean, it, it, it was a great set piece in the aspect that you move everybody and you leave Amaria probably one of your, your, your better shooters. And I mean, he, he volleyed that ball beautifully. Like if he hadn't touched anybody, I'm pretty sure that would have gone right in the back of the net because it was just it was it was low and it was being covered by bodies. So it was so hard to be able to watch a ball like that. But I mean, I, I think overall, like I think that was a determination of, of of just pushing the ball forward from Bongi, from Dotson, who became more comfortable in the in in pushing the ball forward and the having to worry so much about Mukhtar and Sapong because. You know, there were just islands out there for a while that, you know, you just needed a body like the boss or box or just to just to be able to beat that on the one v one. And and so, like, we were getting opportunities on the wings and, and out of that free kick was just, you know, it deserved it deserved tie. I think it was a deserved goal. We were pushing the ball and towards the end, we were trying to get another goal, but it's just. It just didn't materialize, and I I don't know like I like I I've, I've loved to play it. I remember loving playing it in like rainy weather, right? But this was also like cold rainy weather. Cold. It was it was a lot. It was sleet. Like you, it was like I remember I remember like walking. Hail. Yeah, it was like I remember walking home from the stadium and seeing like the whole sidewalk was like full of like frozen ice and frozen rain, and I was like. I would not want to be out here in this weather play in this game. So, like, I was like, you know, a lot of the passes were super sloppy. Like, so there were some of them that were just, you know, like you could, you could, you could give the 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 field conditions the benefit for that. But we also were not playing very well that first half. I think the second half determined uh, that we were able to 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 take this game around and and get a point. Um, and you know, points are points. I mean, like I talked, we talked about it and I mentioned it in previous podcasts, like these first five games are literally against playoff opponents. Right. I mean, and you know, that's really going to dictate and set the, set the mode for the rest of the season in a sense. Like if you're willing to get points between these first five games, then, you know, you go play, you go play Cincinnati, you go play in Austin, you know, San Jose, and then you'll be able to see, how much more freer you can be um, in this transitional offense that we're really good at now with our, with our attackers and see what we can really create and get more goals that way. On the weather, I will say um, kudos to everyone who did stick around for the game. You were you added a lot of atmosphere there. Um, and kudos to the rain because it definitely saved one goal. There was one goal where uh, 
Nashville takes a shot and it just goes into the water. And it was like very much reminiscent of a, a, a night up at Nessie. I remember one of early on in my fandom where it rained and there was only 40 of us, I think, left watching. And uh, and there was one time where they were on a counterattack and the player, it was Carolina Railhawks, the players running and then ran past the ball because the ball, they're dribbling with the ball and the ball hits the water and they just ran past it because it just sucked it up. Um, any final notes on this game? No. I mean, okay. it, it's, it, it's a hard, it was a hard fought draw or a mediocrely fought draw um, against a good opponent that we knew was going to be tough. You know, I do, I do think points. I, I, I want to just, I know there's a general prevalence of like, Oh, well, they're a really tough team, but like we're at home dudes. Like we, we should like, we're a tough team. Like I, I, I know that Nashville is very good, but you also should be, we should be at the stage where we're a little more confident in being like, no, you know what? We should be winning games at home. I don't care who's coming into our house. We're going to beat them. And not that we're going to take you know them for granted and, and say it's going to be easy, but I will say at least we got the draw here and you just need to be going and building up. We need, we need to be moving and surviving until Amaria is really shooting, until you've got your fullbacks and you're ready to go fully. Rodrigo, do, sh- throw us out. Yeah, I was just wanted to say Amarija had his first 90, right? And I think the it's been solidified of who is really going to be our starter, our starter in a 4-2-3-1, right? It's, it's Amarija from, from here on out until until someone else can do something else, until Don Lottie maybe does something, gets better, or until a new figures out something else but you know he playing 90 minutes into in this weather and creating so many opportunities that he did i think he'll eventually get it he just needs to be more selfish than and being so so friendly about trying to get other people the ball i think if we see more of that volley type of attitude i'm i i'm sure the goals will will, will, will arrive and come See, it's funny, like, uh, Amaria going the full 90 was, like, my one, like, kind of, like, nitpicky thing about Adrian Heath's, like, uh, strategy going for. It's like, it felt like after we got that goal, we got we tied it up, that we were content with the point. And, like, we didn't want to push forward. And, like, just leaving Unu on the bench when he's, like, ready to go, like, you could put him in and has, just have him run at the team. Like, that was my one thing that I was, like, critique of Adrian Heath is that he didn't go for the win and when he has with that bench to be able to go for the win. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we've got some uh, Twitter questions. Back on the 551 podcast. Let's let's uh let's finish this one up. This weekend our next match coming up is against the New York Red Bulls 6 p.m. on Sunday apparently was moved so that it didn't conflict with the St. Patrick's Day parade um, which you know man just make the parade end at the stadium I don't know what you guys are doing Um, I believe Minnesota the St. Paul parade is also on Sunday right or does that happen on St. Patrick's Day? I forget. It's a, it's like you just you just uh, on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, is it okay? All right. As yeah. as, as uh, Charlie, who some people know uh, from the bar, um, told me he was like, "Oh yeah, man, St. Paul is uh, St. Paul's St. Patrick's Day parade is is like pride in in Minneapolis." So um, yeah. Anyway. Wow. Okay. That's actually this, very true. That's, yeah, I've only as, I've only accidentally lives in walked, the West Seventh area and as deals with the parade every year. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. So um, I've only accidentally walked past the St. Paul Irish uh, St. Patrick's Day parade when I was trying to go to the Science Museum. Um, so the Red Bulls on Sunday they they're two games they're top of the East because they beat San Jose three to one they beat Toronto four to one they are moving I mean San Jose or who knows man Toronto also need to get their their act together so I mean the maybe, Red Bulls are the Eastern Conference version of the of Austin pretty much right now yeah yeah and Austin played Miami and who it was like not. They, Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, yeah, Cincinnati. yeah, yeah. They started basically, uh, yeah. And 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 the thing is, like, Red Bulls are a relatively young team. Like, how long can they keep this up? Um, it's still so early in the season. It's like the same the same argument that we make about about the Loons with like two draws 
against tough opponents. It's like, what are these wins actually like? Like, hopefully we are scoring, have these kind of score lines when we play teams like San Jose and, you know, Toronto or whoever the equivalent is on the, in the Western conference, but it'll be interesting. I think it's, I think it should be a good matchup, especially if Ariaga's healthy and uh, one, at least one of our two fullbacks are back. Do you want to see Ariaga instead of uh, Trap or Ariaga instead of Dotson? The answer is Dotson. That's a good Ooh. question. Ooh. The answer is no, Dotson. I, I, I take I Dotson take Ariaga. I, right. yeah. I think in this situation. Yeah. I, I think I, I think I would try that and then sub one of them out depending on the right. the, the tactics. Because you don't yeah, know how I, long Ariaga is going to last, you know, with all the KT tape that he was wearing the other time. So we have not. You know, yet. For, how much, for how much Ariaga wants to go forward, you definitely want to have Trap in the back then, back there, <laughs> holding it down. All right. So Andy Call says Debassi started at left back and earned Team of the Week honors. Have any it's of horrible. you re- received accolades for doing something you definitely shouldn't be doing in the first place? Oh, I have the best one. I once got an award from the St. Paul Police Department because uh, we threw a kegger at our house in college and um, a kid came by and like we didn't sell we, he want he wanted a free cup and we said like no you got to pay us it's like this is we cover our cable bills with this party and uh, then he came back with a knife and uh, my roommate ended up having to tackle him and we held him down and the police came and arrested him and then eventually he was I called in the next morning because uh, someone with his description was uh, supposedly uh, tried to sexually assault a woman outside of Devani's as well, like the day prior. And so I got an award from the St. Paul Police Department for being an upstanding citizen because I refused to sell him a cup because I said he was underage and we check IDs. And um, we ended up like tackling this kid and kind of beating him up because he tried to attack my roommate with a knife. And that, my friends, is a Visit St. Paul ad. Sorry. Thank you for sponsoring (laughs) us, Visit St. Paul. This is your ad. Um, Danny C says, why is FC Cincinnati intent on breaking their fans with excruciatingly cruel losses? I do think at some point, I just, I don't want Cincinnati to be that bad anymore. They can be bad, but someone else needs to take their place. It's gotta be Miami. It's gotta be Charlotte. I hope it's Charlotte. Um, well, Charlotte's not bad. I mean, they don't look. At least these first two games, they haven't looked so bad. I mean, I mean, they lost five one to Austin. Yeah, they did, but then they lost one out of the Galaxy and a and a Golasso by Efrain Alvarez. Who? Oh my God! I started on my fantasy. Yeah, I started on my fantasy league, and they didn't credit any freaking points for that. Mm. Oh, um. <laughs> Did you actually start him or was he on your bench? No, he was he was he starting. Okay. Um MN Hick says, I'm not an anti Heath guy, but I do question why not switch to a four four two, especially when behind. Ooh. Um would you want do you think that we could have done more to really push this game? Yes, just because especially with uh Fragapani coming off injured, that seems like the perfect opportunity to switch to a four four two. Too, because all of a sudden you could switch Ray out to the left side and then brought in Amaria and Unu up top and see what happens. Shit, put Bongi up top, see what happens. No, but I, I mean, I think the weather had a lot more to do with it where they're just like, we've had a 74 minute delay. We're like, we have to warm up again. It's super cold. Nobody wants to be here. Let's get, let's get a draw and then just bunker and go home. Yeah, I wonder if that's why they didn't make some as many subs because maybe the subs wouldn't actually be like quite literally they wouldn't be warm, right? That's um, a good point. I, I, that's a vague bullshit speculation. If it, if it wasn't, some. if it was still the same weather but continuous game without a delay, I think, you know, I think we would have seen more tactical subs and maybe a switch because we were doing the four four two switch in preseason, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I think it was that 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 game delay, that severe weather delay, is what. Uh, yeah, but at the beginning, of the second half, it looked like we were playing a three five two for a while. We were like just trying to trying to counter the the craziness that was in midfield that that um, the national was doing, and by putting Bongi in and anyone else, we just kind of started taking over that midfield again, which opened up spaces for Will Trap and and Dotson to move the ball forward. I I. I wouldn't mind seeing a 3-5-2 in a sense. I thought Coleman, even though, yes, he had some 
some crappy passes. I thought he was doing okay. And if if we were going to switch to a three-man back, that might have been the, the time to do it in a sense and just try to go forward with two with two forwards. There are points where Reynosa was playing like a freaking nine and 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 pushing up the ball with Amarilla. And so like there was a lot of that that, that that's possible. And I think Bongi is 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 I think your your double edged sword in a sense. I think, you know, if, if anything if the ceiling is high, it's for that kid that to be able to go and, and, and do what he what he needs to go do. Well, Alex Furry asked this. We'll make this our last question. Who's our most exciting new arrival and why is it Longwane? I think um, I am very pleased that we are actually seeing him. I was afraid that there'd be all this hype, including the hype I was giving him, and that um, we would just never see him. And I, I think that uh, I'll stick to what I said last week, which is that I think he is very raw and there's a lot of just like pure, like uh, elemental, like. <laughs> like inertia like he runs with the ball that run run into the box and he goes past these guys and it's like oh and then like the final final bit is not there but like okay cool like let's let's work with that let's see him keep getting some minutes the problem is sometimes we we see a lot of these players they come in they're raw justin mcmaster included last year um, and we just never see them get a chance to develop, and then they just disappear. So I do hope he keeps getting minutes. You know, I hope that we just like keep using players because we have Nico Hansen, who is another like a little bit elemental player, um, but obviously, you know, can get some stuff done. So and and Robin Lloyd can only go ninety minutes so many weeks in a row. Yep, I love that we got a little bit of that siren going in the background there too. I did my I did my best to turn on the noise canceling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, kids. Let's uh, let's call it a night. Uh, Sunday, six p.m. Blackheart of St. Paul. We'll have the game on. We'll yell at grown men. That's what we do best. And uh, on yeah. TV. Yeah, I mean, you can yell at grown men <laughs> in real life too. You can yell at me. People do that. Um, but uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, friends. And uh, you're beautiful. You're sexy. And everyone loves you. <laughs>